0: Yes, Hayden Winks, we are five weeks into Best Ball Mania 3, by the way. We're making three millionaires out there on Underdog Fantasy this summer. Five weeks allows, I don't know, the ADPs to settle, the picks to be kind of locked in. But we're going to call it the outrageous ones today. The outrageous ADPs, the speculative selections, the the ridiculous moves that many of you all are making. You know, we're drafting, we're doing a bunch of employee drafts. We, we stream those every Monday night, too. Um, and while, Hayden, ADPs are pretty good we know things are going to shift as well and so we're ready to to get ahead of that and call attention to maybe some of the bad moves you are are making right now
1: adps definitely are predictive i think that we can outperform adps but adps for the most part get us all the way i would say to third base um and then from there we have to figure out like the little disagreements and i think a lot of people i'm noticing I'm, i watch a lot of these draft streams including our own A lot of people now are just drafting based off of ADP and then scrolling down a little bit and grabbing a player. So today's show, I'm trying to find a couple players that are right next to each other in ADP and be like, we got to flip these. Not like one is 60 spots lower than he should be ranked, but like a difference of 10 is going to be pretty big for your best ball exposures. And there's a lot of exposure tools and all that stuff coming out. This is going to be the next wave is like these little debates are going to be really big. And if you want 40% on a player versus 6% on a player in the same tier, this is how it's going to be done. Okay, stop making these stupid selections, everyone. Okay, here we go. Uh, hey, why don't you go first? We don't know what the other
0: person is going to say, by the way. So this Perfect. this may you know open up some doors and, and some discussions. But why don't you go first?
1: So I'm looking at the running backs in the early 100s here. Devin Singletary, James Cook, Chase Edmonds are the three – that I want to be fading, and I want to be on Melvin Gordon, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, and Alexander Madison. The, all these basically, we were flip flopping these tiers, and I think that you can get Alexander Madison, Ramondre Stevenson, up even into another tier. And this is just basically a player archetype debate here. And this is my favorite thing about player discussions: is when a certain player just doesn't even fit the type of mold that a fantasy back typically comes from i'm talking about devin singletary and james cook in particular here the bills don't use their running backs like other offenses do we always talk about how their neutral pass rates are so high and josh allen when he gets in the red zone he runs a lot last year devin singletary basically had the role to himself and still devin singletary was 123rd overall and better in best ball points per game just because he's not utilized in that capacity, this year he's not going to catch many passes because James Cook's there. But James Cook is too tiny, and then you go to Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds, he had a couple spikes weeks last year, and he was 122nd overall and better in best ball points per game because he's not a goal line back. They have Sony Michelle, they have uh, Raheem Mostert. He's probably not going to be the goal line back. So how are you ever going to get Chase Edmonds, James Cook, Devin Singletary? to have massive spiked weeks here. It's going to happen maybe once or twice per season. I don't see them going on an extended run here, and that's the exact opposite of Melvin Gordon, Ramondre Stevenson, Alexander Madison, much physical, more physical backs. They can have a, a stretch all of November where they're a top 10 running back. I don't think you can say that about the other backs there. First of all,
0: love when you highlight three players that we already have individual videos on, on the channel. So all of you go and watch those as well. Um, I have a little bit more on the Alexander Madison types as we go along, so That's won't sweet. dive into that one. But I'm I'm totally with you on the Buffalo Bills exposure to their running back room, because it's one of those three offenses that I think we all want to force players into, and those might be the easiest ones to create a stack of. Um, but when we talk about, Rushing production and touchdown production. So much of that for running backs are inside the 20 and inside the 10. And Josh Allen is just incredible in that area. Um, Devin Singletary, it was interesting last year to watch, you know, not going to say the development of his receiving prowess, but there was a slight change in Josh Allen's ability to hit the check down in phase and inside the structure of an offense. Now that led to games of, you know, Seven targets, six targets, eight targets. Um, one, this isn't half this isn't full point PPR, it's half point PPR, big difference. And two, you bring in James Cook. And while we love James Cook as, as a talent, I think this is one of those prime examples of a team chasing an archetype of a player, JD McKissick, where It's going to matter more for the success of the team and in real football than it is in fantasy football. Like there is just I don't think a true outcome this season that you can paint the picture of a one hundred and ninety nine pound running back in James Cook having 17 to 20 touches per ballgame. You can 100% do that with Alexander Madison. We've seen that in the past. You can 100% do that with Melvin Gordon. We've seen that in the past. And you can 100% do that with Ramondre Stevenson. He had three of those games already last season, and now he enters year two. And so when you play for upside in this area, when best ball, when you don't have to worry about you know keeping these players on your bench in a managed season-long league, and you just get to play them when they get those 20-touch opportunities, those are the games that you want, the 20-plus-point outcome games. And I just don't know how many of those you're going to get from the Singletaries and James Cooks of the world.
1: Yep. Last year, uh, Ramondre Stevenson was 77th in veteran best ball points per game because he can operate as a, as a complete back, and the Patriots do use their running backs in the red zone. Alexander Madison got about two or three starts last year. That got him up to 93rd overall in veteran best ball points. What happens if Dalvin Cook tears his ACL tomorrow? Alexander Madison would be going inside the top 25. And then uh, I, I think the player that I really want to highlight here is Melvin Gordon. He's it's not necessarily this year's James Connor or Leonard Fournette because Javante Williams will <clears throat> be involved in ways that Chase Edmonds just never was going to be. But if Javante Williams misses time, man, you're getting the Broncos running back with Russell Wilson. The Broncos play the Chiefs. Everybody wants to stack that game for week 17 and for best ball mania three and rightfully so. He's the player that while we disagree with how explosive he is, he can play. In any situation, he's yeah. a veteran. The Broncos retained him even with uh, a new coaching staff. He can he can be a top 20 running back in this offense, no questions about it. So, even if you just get a couple missed games from Javante randomly, Melvin's going to pay off, you know, and there's a chance that this remains like I, I'm not projecting this, but there's a chance this is a 40, 60, 50 50 backfield in the, in the first place. And if that happens, he's probably going to pay off this ADP still.
0: Yeah feel like melvin gordon was a player that we talked about every single week because while we all love javante williams and how explosive he is especially when breaking tackles uh it constantly overlooked of the free javante takes of how good melvin gordon was last year despite some really ill-timed fumbles um i mean 918 rushing yards eight touchdowns 28 receptions and another two receiving touchdowns and the gap now between where Javante is going and Melvin Gordon is going is drastic in comparison to the money that, you know, they brought back Melvin Gordon on and just how it was a one a versus one B last year. I, unless I'm totally changes, which it could because Javante, you know, second year player and things do. He's good. He is good. Very good. Um, but to your point, more than anything, Melvin Gordon is being underrated. Um, I'm going to go out of order here and Let's kind of it. tail in the conversation of what you were talking about with Alexander Madison, to, to really my point. And overall, the player who is going way too late is Khalil Herbert at running back 52. And it's because of the conversation we just started. Like running back insurance, other people might call them handcuffs, are super valuable in best ball. And where Khalil Herbert is going is running back 52 versus other, and let me use this word, elite running back insurance types, it's way too much of a gap. I mean, for the Packers, Their quote-unquote running back insurance, their second running back off the board, and A.J. Dillon is running back 25. We know if Aaron Jones goes down, boom, 20 touches a week. It is for the Dallas Cowboys. If Ezekiel Elliott goes down, boom, Tony Pollard running back 29. Explosive 18 to 22 touches per week. While other people hated him, we loved Alexander Madison last year, and we saw it. He's going as running back 39 because when Dalvin Cook goes down, boom, 18 to 20 touches per week. Yet, if David Montgomery goes down, we are able to get Khalil Herbert for a running back 52 price. Last year, in the games that David Montgomery missed, he averaged 20 carries for 86 yards and two receptions for 11 yards. Look, these types, I know that they aren't easy to draft right now because you want points each and every week from every single pick that you make in best ball. But think of the gigantic outcomes that are in play for a back that gets 15, 18, 22 touches when the starter goes down. And I'll throw out some figures here. Rashad Penny in week 17 last year, 31.5 points, won someone a million dollars. Darrell Williams had 24 points in that week. Boston Scott had 22 points in that week. Deontay Foreman had 19 points in that week. Just go to week 16. Justin Jackson had 30 points in that contest. Think of the big outcomes here. And Khalil Herbert is the back with the biggest opportunity of touches. If the starter goes down at the best value right now so really to me Khalil Herbert should be even closer to Alexander Madison and at least in the running back 40s territory
1: yeah I'm right there with you with both I think this is a David Montgomery discussion as well as Khalil Herbert this offense has no pass catching talent so they're going to use the shit out of their running backs in both Montgomery and Herbert could do both it wasn't just the carries there's a couple games uh when he was a starter when he was able to catch some passes and when I was watching the Cole Komet tape from our fantasy tight ends ranking show. It was the game against the Packers and Herbert went crazy, man. He is an exciting player. Obviously David Montgomery is going to get his, just look at last year, David Montgomery's usage down the stretch was phenomenal. We're talking like top five fantasy usage. Now he's never going to be a top five actual back because the offense is so limited, but Khalil Herbert's going to walk in to that same exact position here. So uh, you can get, I would say like the, probably ranking Herbert like 20th overall, 25th overall in running back rankings at any week. David Montgomery is going to be missing. So right there with you, he could flat out play. Go watch some of his tape. Just go look up some of the highlights from Khalil Herbert. He is shifty and he looks like a fantasy back, like that shorter, stockier build. That's exactly he's able to check the box of somebody that can actually get 20 carries. So it's it's exactly like Alexander Madison. Very discounted because the offense is so bad. Right, but Right there with you.
0: And not every backup running back is created equal because one, the back that leads his team and touches when the, you know, starter goes down can be difficult to predict, but two, not all those backups can carry the load or the same volume that the starter does. But Khalil Herbert is one of those. Like the bears might be bad this year, but Khalil Herbert is undoubtedly good at the game. He's really good and his cutbacks and his vision. And I understand it's a new play caller and a new coaching staff and, a new regime, but they haven't made any other moves at the running back position to give Khalil because they understand that like, hey, we are have the two guys on our roster that this is it, and if one goes down, then boom, we have the other one. I'm going to pull up some of the backs that are going ahead of Khalil Herbert just to put this into context. And again, some of these guys, like maybe Darrell Williams or Kenneth Gainwell, might give you more touches on average in a weekly basis if the starter doesn't go down. But you can't tell me that Tyler Algier, At running back 47. We know what he is in comparison to Cleo Herbert, and that the Falcons are going to be a much better team than what the Chicago Bears are going to put out there. You know, who has a more likely outcome to put out, you know, three consecutive 15 to 22 point weeks? It's Cleo Herbert to me over Tyler Algier with what the information we have right now. Um, Isaiah Spiller, same thing, a rookie at running back 43. I know the Chargers are much easier, much easier to make a case for, right? But they can easily bring back Justin Jackson. You know, Isaiah Spiller, Possible. there's some debate of who he is as a talent as well, but I just freaking love Khalil Herbert in comparison to where the Alexander Madison's Ramondre Stevenson's Rashad pennies of the world are going. Um, and, and that is one of these smash spots right now. If I'm looking to fill out, you know, if I go running backs early, my running back three or running back four, even a running back five in some builds with Khalil Herbert there.
1: And they played the Lions at week 17. The, our fans are gonna love that.
0: Not bad. Okay. There's two. I know we have a bunch more. Keep us going here.
1: All right. I think we might uh be tag teaming this one. I'm looking at the quarterback rankings. Aaron Rodgers is there at 13, Derek Carr 14, Kirk Cousins 15. Completely agree. I think there might be a little bit of a cutoff point after that because those teams are very easy to stack. Now we get into this range. Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Tua, Trevor Lawrence. And then I think after that, there's even a teardrop. I want to be making the case, and I think that you do too, that Trevor Lawrence belongs towards the top of this tier. And I'm going to come out and flat out say at least over Deshaun Watson. Now, we we got some news with Deshaun Watson this week about how there was a 24th lawsuit that came up to play. And What was important and different about this lawsuit yep. is – she didn't, she was not listed originally from Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson wrote, I mean, dozens and dozens of names down of the massage therapist, and she was not included in that. And there is some legal reasons why that could be a big deal for like his voiding his contract, all that type of thing. It also shows we don't know how far that this case is going to go. Uh, there was a report, um, from uh, Jenny Ventrus. Uh, She said that there was at least 66 women involved, maybe up to 100 women involved. Now the Texans, the Houston Texans, are a defendant in this case because they uh, are being alleged to have known about this to actually helping Deshaun Watson, maybe even having an NDA, uh, giving uh, Deshaun Watson an NDA to go with with these women. This is going to get really bad. I I think it's to the point where uh, before maybe I was like, oh, he'll probably get an eight-game suspension, maybe something like that. I think it's more likely that he misses the entire season. I think there's a chance that the commissioner at this point, instead of giving him suspension, just gets him onto paid leave and says, like, we, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but we have to get this thing back into control. So I, I really think that we should have to be dropping all of the Browns here. This is the Deshaun Watson stuff is getting worse and worse and worse. And there is no end in sight. Like the NFL can't suspend them right now. Because a next lawsuit could be coming at any point. There is no deadline on these lawsuits. More keep popping up. And I think it's really bad for Deshaun Watson and everybody involved, obviously.
0: But early on, the word precedent was thrown out in terms of how the league was going to handle this. And unless you know there was something criminal that came out, they wouldn't suspend him for the entire season. I think that's all out the window now, especially with things popping up more and more each and every week and seemingly, and this isn't confirmed, names that were not there from, you know, his representation that they knew about or that maybe the Browns knew about now. And then as you alluded to, having an NFL organization involved now, one of 32, they don't want paperworks or filings or any information that could be out there through a court system, through a legal system, as we were seeing with Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders, NFL organizations try to avoid that at all costs. So this has escalated even more so than how despicable and disgraceful it was at the at, at the top. Um, now, taking some of those ADPs and actually looking at players who might be on the field, Justin Fields at quarterback 16 versus Trevor Lawrence at quarterback 19 is the ones I want to flip. Okay. Um, I think a lot of the Justin Fields love comes from his rushing ability and the Konami code and his rushing upside. One, it depends on who was calling the plays last year, but we got absolutely none of it or we got some of it. We never got like a lot of it. Okay. Uh, I've again, still haven't had the ability in the last three weeks to go in and figure out who the hell Luke Getsy is and how this offense is going to look, but overall, Hayden, maybe you agree with me. I know it's the Jaguars, but I feel so much better about the Jaguars offensive personnel and the play caller than I do about the Bears offensive line personnel and play caller at this moment. Uh, It really is setting up for a possibility where Justin Fields is going to have to carry this offense on his shoulders. And while I like the talent, um, he was kind of asked to do that last year, too, when it just failed, you know, going back and watching some of that stuff. There is cause for concern moving forward with, with Justin Fields. I'm not writing him off at all. And people can say that about Trevor Lawrence as well. But man, the to me, the bubble that they have placed around him to go along that in his final two years of college football, he had 17 rushing touchdowns, which is actually more than Justin Fields. There's rushing upside as well there. And so, again, quarterback 19, Trevor Lawrence is going. Quarterback 16, Justin Fields is going. I just want to flip those right now.
1: Yeah, it just comes down to the experience that the Jaguars coaching staff has versus the experience that the Bears has and the Jaguars offensive line is way better. Their skill position group is not good down there in Jacksonville, but it is better than the Bears one. And Trevor Lawrence just, bottom line, played much better than Justin Fields. Now, obviously, the Konami code matters here to an extent. So I think that Justin Fields is a fine pick. His ADP has dropped since Best Ball Mania has launched. But Trevor Lawrence at 148th overall He could be the one, and all of his pass catchers are so cheap. You can get Christian Kirk around 90th overall. Evan Ingram doesn't go into like 190th overall, and we both like Evan Ingram's potential. Zay Jones goes undrafted in Best Ball Mania. They can give him, uh, or they gave him a ton of money, so it's a very stackable offense here, and they have an easy matchup against the Texans in Week 17 if you're playing the Puppy or Best Ball Mania 3. But really, it's just, he he struggled at times. He forced some throws. He wasn't as accurate. Uh, as I thought he was uh, coming into the league, but Trevor Lawrence is pushing the ball downfield and he's super smart and the offensive system is just going to be so much better. So it's very easy to project uh, Trevor Lawrence for a much better season. He has to have a much better season to still pay off this ADP, but there is just so much more help around him that I think that if there was a, a quarterback that goes from uh quarterback 17 up to like quarterback nine this year, I think that, Uh, Trevor Lawrence is certainly at the top of that list.
0: Yeah, and if you are taking Travis Etienne at running back 18, thinking he might be this year's DeAndre Swift, as a guy who thrives in the pass-catching game, stacking him with Trevor Lawrence makes sense, too. Um, Okay, we did tag-team that one because that was one of my four. Uh, So then, if you have no more names to talk about at quarterback, why don't we jump on over to, yeah, the wide receiver 41 compared to the wide receiver 48. And these players are on the same team. One's a rookie in Skymore, and there is a guy that they're paying, I don't know, the seventh most money among any Kansas City Chief out there this season, and that's Marquez Valdes-Scantling. Um, again, Skymore, wide receiver 41, a rookie, the mystery box, what, 54th overall selection, versus a guy who during his last four years with the Green Bay Packers played one role and one role only, And that was to get down the field and make big plays. So when you look at it, last season, Patrick Mahomes had 76 pass attempts of 20-plus yards. Tyreek Hill had 28 of those targets. Aaron Rodgers had 73 passes travel at least 20-plus yards. And Marcus Vera scantling had 22 of those targets in just 11 games, I might add. An absurd percentage, 45% of MVS's targets last year or 20-plus yards down the field. He had more deep targets than short targets. So if we, in this area of the draft, when wide receiver 48, it's very hit or miss, you're not technically relying on them on a weekly basis to fill out one of your, what, three wide receiver spots. Why not get the guy with the sky-high ceiling? And that's not sky more on these big weeks, potentially. It's Marquez Valdez-Scantling to create these big plays, one of the best vertical throwers. He was even limited last year in his amount of downfield attempts in comparison to previous years. And just where he's going, I want to flip these two outright, outright. Because MVS right now is still arguably the most undervalued wide receiver pick out there on underdog fantasy.
1: He's going to be 28. They just paid him a ton of money. He is Mr. Better in Best Ball. And I'm totally there with you. The thing just talking about Sky Mark, because we haven't really talked about him as much. His ADP is like just ludicrous to me. Absolutely ludicrous. When we're talking about second round picks, and we're not talking about the top of the second round, we're already getting into this kind of danger zone. Lots of Denzel Mims out there. Lots of Andy Isabella's in this kind of range. It's not a bankable range, especially because there were so many wide receivers that got drafted ahead of him. He is a little bit tinier. I thought he was very good. His numbers were certainly good, early declare all that stuff, but it was from a smaller school. And I'm worried that they might view Sky Moore as a long term option. And they gave Juju a one year contract. MVS, they can get out of his contract if he's absolutely terrible, which I'm not expecting. But it seems like Sky Moore might be that number three, number four option rotating with uh, McCall Hardman, who I think is like the longest tenured pass catcher outside of like Travis uh, Kelsey in the homes. It's like outrageous. And I'm worried about playing time for Sky Moore. If he's as good as we thought he was in college, it's not going to matter all that much. But he—if you were ranking the wide receivers, and you're like, all right, who has playing time concerns starting now? It would be Sky Moore. Uh, MVS is not going to be coming off the field too much. He's way too big. He—all uh, look at all the other uh, wide receivers on the Chiefs. It's shorter, uh, kind of uh, undersized guys that are going to be uh, underneath. Uh, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, that's mostly Travis Kelsey as well. There's one player on this roster that can go downfield, and that's MVS. So he's not coming off the field.
0: To repeat that, there is one player on this roster who wins vertically with a quarterback who loves to throw vertically, had the lowest by far in his career of passes that traveled 20-plus yards in terms of his, you know, attempts, and he was still top seven in the league in that area. Um, As you outlined, I love Skymore pre-draft. You love Skymore pre-draft. He forced the most missed tackles in this class at 26. You know, he played 252 slot snaps out of 824. He kind of is an outside wide receiver. And, you know, a lot of his big plays were versus press coverage and, and man coverage. But that is a projection. What we know right now, that is a fact, is that the Chiefs lost one of the best vertical players in the league. Not just that, because a reason why Tyreek Hill is able to win downfield so often is because he's a terrifying player on underneath and with the ball in his hands too. MVS is not Tyreek Hill, but if we like take sections of that game and say, oh, where are the big plays coming from? Oh, look, MVS down the field. And look, he wasn't efficient at all in that area. In fact, I think Last year, Hayden, he caught only six of those 22 targets, which was like a 27%. The year before, it was nine of 30. That's 30% on, and five touchdowns on those. But I will bypass last year's efficiency numbers with Aaron Rodgers, who I'm you know not downplaying here, to the potential opportunity and where those targets are going to be this year with Patrick Mahomes. And I always get this when I talk about MVS. Oh, he couldn't catch a cold. Oh, he has so many drops. If you're drafting against those people, lucky for you, because that means you're going to wind up with a player like MVS in this range. And the outcomes of potential spiked weeks in best ball, goodness gracious, give it all to me.
1: He pays off his price tag if Travis Kelsey stays healthy. If Travis Kelsey misses time here, we are going to be full-blown panicking about where the targets are going. And MVS, I think, could be somebody that doesn't have to necessarily just be a downfield player here. I'm going to get down into the disgusting range, unless you have another name to bring up. Let's do it. We're getting in down to the needy-greedies down here and the 190s, 180s overall on Underdog Fantasy promo code the show. And I want to be talking about Mr. Julio Jones. Julio Jones is being drafted 196 overall. There are some drafts where he is not being drafted, period, uh, on the Puppy or Pest Ball Mania 3. Julio Jones surprised me. I went back and I looked over his last two seasons. He's still averaging 10.4 yards per target, which is absurd. Uh, Even last year, if you remove uh, Julio played like two games where he's clearly not healthy. If you remove those two games, he still averaged 55 yards. That's not totally uh, scrub numbers. His yards per out run for sure is down. We can't project him to stay healthy, but his yards per out run still at 1.84. That's still decent. So I want to take him over Odell Beckham, at least. Odell Beckham tore his ACL in middle of February. His last ACL recovery took an entire year. We didn't see the explosiveness come back like two years later. So I think Julio Jones is going to get signed here. He's linked to the uh, Green Bay Packers. And if that happens, man, Julio Jones' ADP is going to spike. I'm not saying he's going to stay healthy. He's going to be the best player of all time. But... I think if you look at the numbers a little bit in those healthy games, he still offered some big play potential. And I think that this ADP is still going behind a uh, Will Fuller who I haven't even seen his name linked to anybody. No. Curtis Samuel, you're drafting Curtis Samuel uh, who's already committed to the commanders as the number three and he can't stay healthy. KJ Hamler's the number four. He hasn't been been healthy. So there's some names like Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins isn't known for his health. Uh, All these names to me are are just too low. I get it. Julio Jones is old, doesn't score touchdowns, any of that stuff. But at some point, you got to roll the dice here. It's going to be your wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine. Sign me up for that.
0: It was never going to work with Julio Jones and Mike Vrabel because Julio just doesn't want to practice anymore. He gets banged up a little bit and is like, hey, man, just save me for Sundays. Uh, And Mike Vrabel wants you to run, run wind sprints for 45 minutes every single day. Just joking. Really like, actually like Mike Vrabel as a No,
1: that's not um, a joke. He wants, he wants, he <laughs> wants his guys out there, and he is not. he's willing to call you out when you're not. It's, it's absurd. But and
0: it wasn't going to work at all. Again, from the start, even though what they dealt a second round pick. Again, Julio had games of six for one twenty eight. Had games of you know four catches, four catches, and then closed that with a five for fifty eight, and then the playoffs of six for sixty two. Uh, there's still something left there. Like this is, I think the player since 2015 that has the most receiving yards in the league. It's just trying to get ahead of, because he's going to be signed now because we know Julio doesn't like to practice. That could happen one week into training camp. Perfect. He
1: will be low. Perfect.
0: I'm, I'm with you. Um, just in relation to, you know, the names he is going around. Uh, I don't know what to expect from John Mechie. Who's a slot receiver for the Houston Texans. You mentioned some great other veteran names like Sammy Watkins and Odell. And and Will Fuller and you bring up Curtis Samuel's name. Look, I still love Curtis Samuel, man. But John Dotson, every single Washington Commander's beat rider is just hyping him up right now. And Terry McLaurin's going as a top 20 wide receiver, too, you know. So uh I'm I'm with you on Julio. This is a, a step ahead of where he is going to go when he eventually does get signed because he has something left. He has you need something
1: two left. weeks from Julio at this price, and just going back to Odell, Julio Jones had more yards per game. <clears throat> Than Odell, Odell did last year on the Rams. Uh, If you remove all their uh, unhealthy games, uh, his yards per route run was better. And the big thing is Julio Jones doesn't have a torn ACL right now. I really do not understand this. Julio is going to get signed somewhere. And I hope it's like two, three weeks before uh, the beginning of the season starts. Cause so we can keep this ADP really low. If he goes to the Packers, he'll be like 130th overall somewhere like that. Every single one of these free agents, Jarvis Landry, Immediately where they get signed, even in not yeah. even a good spot with the Saints, immediately goes up. And I know it's not a, it's not a game about no, closing that's a line value. a great
0: comparison, Hayden, though, because Jarvis Landry has this perception from the public that he's not explosive and he's just a, a volume sponge. Julio's perception is, is going to be wildly different once he signs. And you, you said it. What, Jarvis jumped up five or seven wide receiver spots as soon as that happened?
1: And also, the Saints is the number three. Like, that's it, wasn't a great situation. And Jarvis Lander is the anti-better in best ball. And Julio Jones, I think, is just going to kind of slide into that role where he's not going to be a possession receiver anymore. He's going to go out there and just be like, all right, I'm going to be the deep threat guy. And if you hit me for two spiked weeks, you've, you already paid off this price tag.
0: Okay, we'll stick with wide receivers. This is my last one, by the way. And I'll paint a little picture and then we'll get to the actual names. But seven teams, wide receiver three, their number three drafted wide receiver. And one team's actually fourth wide receiver are currently being drafted ahead of the Patriots wide receiver one, whether you believe that's Devontae Parker or Jacoby Myers. And I get a lot of these, you know, Russell Gage is being drafted as the third bucks receiver at wide receiver 43 MVS, as we just outlined somehow still after Sky Moore at wide receiver 41, stop being stupid. Everyone Uh, being drafted at wide receiver 48, Tyler Boyd, wide receiver 53, Tim Patrick, wide receiver 58, Jameson Crowder, wide receiver 61. Anyways, I could list a couple more. The one I have issue with, is Rondell Moore at wide receiver 56. And I get it, man. Thick Tavon. He's fun. He's exciting. We're talking about a dude last year. who had 54 catches with an eight out of 1.1. Okay. And they also traded a first round pick for a guy who probably fills the vertical slot element that they lost in Christian Kirk and Marquise Brown. That's that's the best role he could have, and maybe it slightly changes in the first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins as one of the pure outside wide receivers. So let me ask you this. Considering Rondell had 54 catches last year with an A dot again of 1.1, that will never be worth not repeating. Um, What if Rondell goes out there this year and has like, I don't know, an 83-catch, 866-yard, two-touchdown season? That'd be pretty damn good. That would be be great for him. I mean, that would be an incredible jump into Rondale being an actual wide receiver, which I haven't seen yet. And I have to believe it before I see it or until I see it. Okay. That's what Jacoby Myers put out there last year. You know, Jacoby Myers led the New England Patriots in wide receiver snaps last year, was in 11 personnel as a slot guy, was in two tight end sets as an outside wide receiver. I don't think his job is going away, Jacoby Myers. Now, could you argue, sure, Kendrick Bourne did really well and might be a better player. Devontae Parker might score more touchdowns. I think what Rondale's goal is to be the starting slot wide receiver every single week for the Cardinals is the minimum outcome of what we get for Jacoby Myers and the New England Patriots offense and again him going as wide receiver 63 versus wide receiver 56 for Rondale is the one I want to change the most.
1: I'm not on Rondale Moore for sure. I think that DeAndre Hopkins is the name I like best in uh for on underdog right now because week 17 is where all the money is and DeAndre Hopkins will be out there and there's a price down uh a price decrease with both DeAndre and Kyler Murray. Where I disagree with you here is Jacoby Myers, to me, is also in that bucket of players where the way that he wins is not all that appealing. And I think that there is risk for him losing some snaps here. To me, Devontae Parker is the name that I want. I'm bringing up Devontae Parker versus Jacoby Myers. They're being drafted right next to each other. Uh, and Devontae Parker does go a little bit ahead, but I think right. this gap needs to be much bigger. Devontae Parker is a true X receiver. He's had uh reasonable numbers, not great numbers, but reasonable numbers at time. They just traded for him because they need this body type. Jacoby Myers, they can get that body type with with uh Kendrick Bourne. They're going to be rotating Nelson Aguilar and, and Tyquan Thornton, both a uh, little skinnier type players. They need that true dog. And that's what Devontae Parker at least could be in this offense. Uh, just surround this thing out. The Patriots, the last player uh, on, or the, the latest a player is drafted on each team in the league. Right now, they're the lowest Jaguars, 49.5 overall, the Jets, overall Bears 54th overall Texans 58th overall listen to this gap the Patriots it is at 96th overall that is a 30 40 point difference versus the rest of the the league and if you look at the, the receivers Titans 73rd overall Jags 87th Packers 94th Giants 97th the Patriots 133rd overall this this is outrageous there is somebody on the Patriots that is going way too late and to me I think it's going to be Devontae Parker. I know we felt for this a million times, but I like Mac Jones a little bit. Look at his numbers uh, last year. I think Devontae Parker is like the role that the the Patriots really needed. They didn't have this type of player last year. And I think that he's going to be the player that's locked into the starting lineup. And then it's going to be a a guessing game for the number two and number three spot.
0: Yeah, while I highlighted Jacoby Myers, I also wrote down Devontae Parker because I think you can make the case like you just did for him as well. Moreover than anything, this was to call out how late all the Patriots personnel are going in drafts in comparison to the tertiary or the fourth or even sometimes fifth options on these teams, right? Like miko Hardman potentially or Sky Moore is the fifth option on the Chiefs and is going ahead of the number one option on the new England Patriots. We also think if we're trying to project and get in the mind of the Patriots, which we did very well last year, heading into the last season, we think they're going to throw a little bit more, you know, they are going to trust Mac and maybe throw out the rock 35 something times in some games, getting one of these wide receivers at the price right now is, is, is pretty appealing. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Jacoby Myers is going to get back to his 126 targets last season, but I also think he probably has some touchdown aggression in his Category where he had two touchdowns last year and it was becoming a meme of if he's ever going to score because it'd be a pass interference or a holding play every single time he actually found the end zone. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was just an easy case for me to make because again. The positive outcome for Rondale is the slot receiver on the Arizona Cardinals full time and to me Jacoby his worst outcome is a slot receiver on the New England Patriots and he could still be in a majority of the two wide receiver sets they put out there in the
1: field, I still think there's still some downside risk. But I, I, well, try to I agree. Hear it. it's it's both the players like in the the buckets of like half PPR best ball. It's like, man, what are you really getting with either one of these? Uh Mac Jones time again. I mean, I'm sorry for I'm sure everyone hates me for the, all the Mac Jones stuff, but could could he go ahead of Zach Wilson, please? Like that's Ooh, all I'm asking for. Wow. Is, I mean, really let's let's go over this. Last year. EPA per play, Mac Jones, 14th. Zach Wilson, out of 31 quarterbacks, 31st. Yards per game, 17th for Mac, 31st for Zach Wilson. Yards per attempt, 14th for Mac, Zach Wilson, 31st. Sack rate, and this is super important because if you're taking sacks, you're punting the ball. Uh, Zach Wilson, dead last. Mac Jones, 10th. Look back at college. You want to go back to college? Mac Jones, 346 yards per game. Zach Wilson, 307. Now, I think if you're looking at players that could be like this year's, Derek Carr, who was quietly sixth in yards. It wasn't like the best offense, but a productive offense. We were like trying to figure out where are the yards coming from. To me, that's what the Patriots are. That's where like uh Devontae Parker could have a season where like we're ranking him as the wide receiver of 38, like kind of how we were with Hunter Renfro, because the ball's got to go somewhere. And to me, Mac Jones has earned more pass attempts per game. And I think he's a little bit underrated in that capacity. Now, like he's not gonna be like I'm hoping he becomes Phillip Rivers. You know, but I think he, he is on that path. Like he's getting there. And I think Bill Belichick is pretty uh, intrigued by this. I think that's why he's he's running so much of the offense this year is he kinda has a little bit of something with Mac Jones here. So like I get it. Zach Wilson's weapons are better. But it Mac Jones is so easy to stack. Like if you're halfway through the draft and you're like, dang, I don't have that much correlation for my my best ball tournaments, you can go Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry, Tyquan Thornton, Mac Jones at the end of the lineup, and they just have to have a couple weeks. And I think that Mac Jones, there's a chance that he's just better than we think. And he could be a Derek Carr type of player, Kirk Cousins type of player. And those players are valuable uh in fantasy. So um just want to throw out the Patriots, I think, are being slept on too much here. All the way through um the draft.
0: Could Mac Jones or any of those guys should be they be going ahead of Ryan Tanehill? Um yes. I mean Brian Tanehill's life in terms of his pass catchers like change in an instant. Snap of a finger, they all dissolved. Like it was Julio Jones and AJ Brown heading into last year, and we outlined it with the Julio conversation, how that one didn't work out. But now you have Robert Woods coming off a pretty significant knee injury, a rookie Traylon Burks, who let's not read into it this too much right now, but can't finish a practice right now. It feels like at times. Um, And then, you know, you have Derek Henry in the backfield, and then they are still trying to figure it out at tight end with, with Austin Hooper. Um, Arguably the offensive line is kind of in a worse spot than it has been the last few years, you know, with some changes with some veterans leaving, and they still have to kind of figure out that right tackle spot as well. So yeah, Ryan Tannehill, where he is going ahead of some of those other names is is something I want to pay attention to.
1: I got one more quick one for you, the Carolina Panthers. I was looking; they have four players that are being drafted within like the top 250 uh, overall players right now. Four. That is by far the fewest in the NFL, and I think the answer to this is Robbie Anderson. If DJ Moore misses time, uh, Robbie Anderson's going 165th overall. They would be looking for targets like there's nobody's business. Right now, Terrace Marshall, I-, I-, I saw a report that he's coming in at 5.30 in the morning, maybe a little coffee with the quarterback. Um, but he's competing with Rashard Higgins. And like when you're competing with Rashard Higgins, that's not a great sign for you in this slot. I think Robbie Anderson's role is relatively safe. I know that there's some post-June uh, uh, J- J- 1 uh, cut and trade and all that stuff. I- I still think that they committed too much to him. They can get a quarterback upgrade, if you want to call it that, with Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield at any point. And to me, there's just never be an offense that has four players going into the top 250. This is way too fragile of a projection here. And Robbie was so bad last year that people are forgetting it. But guess what? If he had last year's season he still pays off this ADP. That's yep. how outrageous this ADP is. He's a spiked week player. If something happens to DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson would vault up the draft board. I think this is just, you can't have four players in the top 250. It's that simple.
0: Yeah. I'm all in on Robbie Anderson at this ADP. Uh, he was bad last year, but obviously Sam Darnold was even worse. Um, if Sam Darnold is as bad as he was last year, they'll put in Matt Corral and it'll just probably run some RPO stuff. You know, like it'll just be a lot of quick hitting passes over the middle field, get the ball out quickly, kind of like what Tua did for stretches of of last season. Because Ben McAdoo will be comfortable doing that. Terrace Marshall, you laughed at me earlier in the summer when I was hyping him up as a 18th round pick. We might get to that point. We might get to that point in training camp, Hayden. Because again, if Rashard Higgins is your competition, this is an inside outside player then uh then then that's one that piques my interest too and stop drafting chuba hubbard it's deontay foreman as the running back insurance everyone
1: you heard it from the panthers guy himself um i that's all that i have do you have anything else that's enough let's save the good takes i'm i'm sorry this was a lot of uh this player is going 160th he should go 130th overall um, but we got the ranking shows coming up and we'll talk yep. about the, the big, the big headliners in the next couple of weeks.
0: Yep. Stop making these stupid moves. Everyone. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Like, and subscribe, hit that notification bell. Again, we have individual clips from long shows like this one, or even longer. Uh, if you want to go check those out, if you're new here, do it. And we'll be back here with more shows, Monday night drafts, Tuesday live show, Thursday live show. Both of those are at three o'clock Eastern. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh up the Ville, everyone. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.